Hop on your bike for a freewheeling ride up the avenues of not-so-typical suburbia. This is Paperboy. Welcome to Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Sean. And I'm Joe. Guys, this is one of those, like, old-school jobs that doesn't really exist anymore, right? Or am I out of touch? I don't know. I mean, we gotta get the paper somehow. Both of my stepbrothers were uh, once paper boys for the Buffalo News, um, but that's the last I have had any interaction with a paper boy. So, I don't know. It just seemed to be there was like a time where every 12-year-old boy needed to become the paper boy. It was like, well, you're 12 now, so it's time to get on your bike and deliver papers. 12? <laughs> Holy shit. Well, because I, I, it's like a rite of passage, because then you have the, the, the training courses, and you have all the, you know, the three fans in the crowd, and it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a big thing. Yeah. I, I remember when they would go through their training courses. <laughs> yeah. That's a coming-of-age story is really what the Paperboy video game was. But, um, you know, we could talk about the game for a second, too, but I'm I just thinking about, like, jobs that we had as kids. It is kind of funny how, like, you know, we make a lot more money now than we ever did at our, ch- you know, childhood jobs. But those jobs, it was like, man, when you got, like, $20 in your pocket, you could buy anything you wanted. Oh, you yeah, had- you, you felt rich. Especially, like, in high school. Like about got, how many chicken cafeteria tenders. prices? Yeah. You go to Louie's, you get some chicken tenders with some ketchup. That's like three meals of Louie's right there. <laughs> I'm getting food because I would just go right to the video games. Like, I, I remember saving up, like, okay, if I make, you know, uh, even my lunch money. My parents are giving me $5 every day. $5. I would just not eat. Yeah, I would just not eat instead. I would be like, I'm just going to save this $5 and in... Uh, you know, was that the cost of your public school yeah, like lunch? The, the, so we had a situation at uh, our high school where you could leave. You got to leave the oh, high yeah. school and go out I to eat you for lunch. Yeah. It was great. So then I feel like you have the opposite problem. Where do you go for five dollars? <laughs> I think they were aware of that, though. I think most of the you know it's yeah. it's a true story because there was a lot of people who had like you know it was like a class system. You couldn't hang out with some kids because they <laughs> had more money for lunch, and you couldn't go to the places they went to. Oh yeah, your school was was very different then because of that. Yeah, you couldn't, but you couldn't hang with the rich kids that went to Applebee's every day. You couldn't. You couldn't. Instead, I actually I lived close enough to the school. I just walked home and I would play like Guitar Hero or Super Smash Brothers uh, with some <laughs> friends during the lunch break. <laughs> Wow. Uh, it's a different world. I would just get a dollar fifty for lunch. That and it was a good me. amount of food too, for a dollar fifty? Wish I could go back. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know how many uh nineteen oh four Nathan's hot dogs that is. <laughs> anyway, Sean, you know a lot about Paperboy because your uh both your brothers were paperboys. So you wanna give us an overview on the game? All right, so yeah, the game is, it's pretty much a simulation game of uh, any paper delivery person's career. Uh, I know because sometimes I had to cover for my brothers when they couldn't do it. Um, But basically, every day you would get, uh, you'd get this printout of all of the places that are subscribed to the newspaper. Um, But it didn't really matter because you knew based on the color of the house who was subscribed and who wasn't. Uh, so you would, you would, you know, take a, take a nice bike ride down the street, the only street you were assigned um, and try to avoid all of the crazy people and, uh, and possessed objects in uh, on that street. And you would just try and throw your paper as hard as you could and, and hope you hit the door of the mailbox and uh, you'd get points or money at the end of the day. Not when they mandated that anyone who didn't have a newspaper subscription had to paint their house red. Yeah, it happens. It happens. It, it makes you wonder, though, who pays for that? Is that the paper company <laughs> that pays for that? Or do, do, is that like a homeowner's association? It's definitely an, o- an HOA, yeah. Okay, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. You know what's interesting, though? Uh, you brought up a great point about how the game has, uh, you know, even from the back of the box, not-so-typical suburbia of, like, this <laughs> idea that... 
I don't know, most of the objects there are things that you might run into if you were biking down a street. And then all of a sudden, there's also the Grim Reaper. Yeah. And a breakdancing dude in the middle of the sidewalk who shows up at the same place every single time. And then there's a dirt bike course at the end with the, an obstacle course, if you will, with like ramps and hoops to go through. Uh, you know, so it is like a fine blend between uh, a simulation of a Paperboy uh, game and this like really fun, um, cute arcade game. Yeah, I, I mean, just in terms of of the the design of the obstacles being, you know, like the Grim Reaper and like maybe a crazy woman with a knife. And I think in even like the arcade versions, was it a rolling pin? I thought it was a rolling pin. There is someone with a rolling pin, but there's also someone definitely, I'm pretty sure, a different person with a knife that's doing like a stabbing motion as it as he runs. Yeah, out. when when I was a kid, though, I was terrified of this game. It was a scary <laughs> game to me because, like, I think I remember the arcade version. Like, the, some of the houses looked haunted, and then, like, even in this version, there are there are like gravestones. And you have those monsters like the Grim Reaper and uh, a tornado. The tornado. I, I kind of maybe thought that the the guy that was breakdancing may have been a monster too when I was a kid. But like, it was not fun to play this game for me when I was a child because <laughs> I, I don't know. It just it just had a really weird uh, a really weird tone going on. Um, See, I had like a different, a weirdly different ex- experience that makes less sense because. I played. I used to play this game a lot, and I forgot a lot about it. But when I when I was a kid, I don't remember like noticing that like these were weird obstacles. Like I don't remember. I don't remember the Grim Reaper being there or like the tornado. I just totally blanked all that out. So when I was playing it this time, and it had been so long, and it was kind of like that that like nostalgia you forgot you had experience. Yeah. But then like all this other stuff came out, and I was like, was this the same? Did they make two NES versions? But no, it was definitely this. Oh, I asked no. my brother about it too. He remembers all the weird stuff. So, uh, yeah, I don't know why I blocked that stuff out, but I was actually kind of like, it gave me a good laugh this time around because I was like, wow, this game is way more ridiculous than I remember it. <laughs> and it's not shy to just like have that be something that you become acquainted with right away upon starting the game. You know, you, you, you get to like maybe throw a newspaper to one normal house with maybe like a dog outside yeah. that you're like, oh, that dog's kind of scary. I'll stay away from being too close to the house. But, you know, for the most part, it's pretty normal. And then like the next house, all of a sudden everything ramps up. It's like if you're in the street, boom, there's a car or the sewer grate. And then like, uh, you know, like you said, the the woman with the rolling pin comes out and, and charges at you or... Uh, the tornado thing is very strange to me because it's also the world's smallest tornado localized entirely <laughs> to the paperboy. And it's also yeah, the it most unavoidable one. Yeah, yeah. It just, it just like, chases you. It's targeted at you. It does not care yeah. if the lawnmower or the RC toy is nearby. Like, I mean, you know, we're constantly listing off objects here, and I think it is pretty cool that they managed to include, like, so many different things, and it, it really makes this a, a very creative world that takes all of two minutes to like understand. Yeah, yeah, and I and I'll, I'll say even there were a lot of there were a few obstacles like the the rolling tire that just turns randomly, or the tornado that seems at first like it's impossible to avoid. That at first I, I was thinking like, well, this is kind of this this is like a little bit of a damper in this game. Like this is like a, a point against it because that some of the obstacles are like unfair. But then for a lot of them, I, I, I did sort of learn, like, I think that's part of it. Like, at first, for some reason, because some of them are, like, recognizable op- objects, I don't give them, like, that video game benefit of the doubt that, like, oh, I have to learn how to beat them. So, so I, at first I was frustrated, but then once I've kind of figured out, oh, like, I, I kind of see the pattern in the way the, the tire moves, and I, and I found a, a little strategy to, to get away from the tornado, and once you, like, learn that stuff, it actually feels kind of fair um, for most of them. Well, there's no reason to have to, like, learn any, you know, like, like the whole game is just you in constant motion. It's an auto-scroller, right, where you're just constantly going forward. And it is, like, the anti-shmup, you know? Like, yeah, you can throw newspapers at some of these things to, like, stop them in their tracks. But for the most part, you just have to constantly dodge everything and hope to deliver the papers, too. Because yeah. don't forget, that's the actual point of the game, is yeah, throwing yeah. the newspapers onto the stoops. But that is a good point, though, because like it, you're trying to conserve your ammunition 
uh, which are the the meet the newspapers, because you never really know when you're going to get a new bundle, and if you're trying to get like extra points by uh, not just delivering papers to the people you're supposed to deliver them to, but knock over trash cans and gravestones and break the break the uh, uh, non-subscribers' windows, which is encouraged. Um, uh, you could end up with no new, no newspapers and skipping houses you need to hit. So yeah, it's all it's like you're just trying to conserve resources during this very hectic jump down the street. And then there's the whole you know timing aspect of when to throw the papers. I think you know for the objects that are obstacles that are in your way, that's a little easier because you're very close to those things. But if you're hanging out at the sidewalk or in the street. There's like this weird delay of when you think you should be throwing the paper versus when you should actually be throwing the paper if you want it to land on the stoop or for even more points in the mailbox, which is a really cool feature that like it won't count if you just throw it on the lawn and get it like in the vicinity. And it definitely won't count if you break a subscriber's window like that's going to hurt you. But it's neat that they have like two different uh variables for like uh scoring points in the sense of like you don't always have to just get it in the mailbox because i feel like that would be a very tough objective but the stoop is not necessarily this gigantic goalpost either like it still is a tight spot i was gonna say i I do think that like the the getting the feel of that is very satisfying as well and and there's also like interesting little ways to cheese it I, i actually tested this pretty extensively and i'm and i'm pretty certain at this point that once you've thrown the paper it scrolls forward at the speed you're scrolling forward so if the paper is in the air going horizontally towards the house and you slow down the paper will slow down its vertical motion so you can sort of like oh cheese it a little if it's like going close (laughs) to the mailbox you can slow down to like pull it back a little bit or speed up to push it forward a little bit um and I did a few times where I like went through and like as soon as I get to this line, I'm gonna throw the paper. And this time I'm gonna go really slow. Next time I do the same thing, I go really fast, and there's a noticeable difference. Well, I never tried that. I, I was very bad at this game. I, this is a this is a pretty tough game, even though it it presents itself as kind of casual. Uh, but I broke more subscribers' windows that I that I ever needed to, and even I was aiming for my non-subscribers' windows. I I was just hitting the wall. Uh, that whole situation with the newspaper traveling at the speed that you're going, I never really put that together. <laughs> I, I was just so curious about it the whole time. I was trying to figure it out, but it's so hard to tell until you just like do the do the same thing over and over again and see what the difference is. Yeah. Um but it was significant. So I think it actually would be like a a strategy for the speedrunners out there. Well, I also think, Joe, that you, it's just a strategy, like speedrunning or not. Like, I agree that it makes sense, even though, you know, you wouldn't be able to just because you're riding your bike faster, you wouldn't be able to throw faster. I think it makes sense in the gameplay point of view that it would be weird if no matter what speed you were going, the newspapers always traveled at the same length. Like, there's something satisfying about the momentum of the character carrying the newspaper with it. But it's not, but it's actually, it's not the realistic way that you're talking the way you're talking about would make more realistic sense but i'm saying that once the paper's already in the air you, you like can still time. you can oh. slow it down or speed yeah. it up oh i didn't um, catch that the first yeah, time yeah, yeah that sounds like a that sounds like it might even just be limited to the nes version of the it game probably, i don't remember yeah. that happening in uh, other versions of this game yeah yeah also speedrunner's probably the wrong maybe like like meta gamer not necessarily speedrunner but uh meta gamer going for the high score it. yeah yeah so Sean, you said you had a tough time with the game. Did it have it did. any? Did it have anything to do with the massive hitbox that you are as a character? One hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so when you're, so there are two like lanes. There's the sidewalk and you know the lawn if you can navigate all the lawn ornaments and stuff. And then there's the street, and you can only cross over between the lawn and the street, uh, or at least from the street to the to the sidewalk um, when there is like a a driveway or wherever a curb is not. And it it always seems to be that if you get stuck on the street, you're going to run into a car and there isn't really enough room on the street to avoid cars or, or like God forbid you get a car coming at you 
while there's also a sewer grate coming up. Uh, and it just seems to be like it's just inevitable that you're going to get hit and you're going to fall over and you lose one of your precious three lives. Um, that wasn't cool. And even when you're on the sidewalk and you have to navigate around like uh, plants and dogs and skateboarders, it, it just seems like the uh, yeah, the hitboxes don't really conform to the sprites very well. Yeah, I feel like the to to the your point about like the street being small because the street just takes up like to just to paint a picture for anyone who hasn't played it, the game is kind of scrolling diagonally, like the bottom right corner, just the smallest part of the bottom right corner, and, and even like the whole area that you can because of the way you're throwing the papers across the screen to the the houses, the entire area that you can occupy is like it almost it almost feels like less than half the screen. Oh, it's definitely so, less. Than so half it's the very screen. tight. And- yeah, and I would I would argue there though that there is there is probably some conscious decision on that too, you know, assuming that it's an arcade game that's supposed to eat your quarters. Uh, Sean, you mentioned that there's like the lawns too that you are able to bike on, but they're filled with uh, various lawn objects or like obstacles in your way. So that's not really that encouraged, but it is a path to go to try to get around uh, yeah. sidewalk obstacles. But then yeah. there's the sidewalk where you're supposed to be, in my opinion. I feel like, you know, for, for the best way to, you know, hit the stoops and to avoid most things, like, you want to be on the sidewalk for the most part. But if you have to go into the street, to, to Joe's point, yeah, it's only like it's only like 20% of the entire screen gives you the, the street. But that's like a do-or-die moment for you. It's like, you know, never ride your bike in the street, kids, because now... <laughs> anything can happen like now that you're in that street very little control over what's coming at you you won't be able to see it in time so only go into the street if you think you have a quick entrance back onto the sidewalk i feel like there is a lesson there because it's also apparently like the street is only the oncoming lane there's no you're not (laughs) never traveling with traffic uh or or there are cars that are parked in the oncoming lane but uh yeah no I mean it's it definitely is like a tiered thing where it, you're only supposed to be down there if you have somehow uh run out of options on the sidewalk. Yeah, I I did feel like the maybe it wasn't quite so intentional though. Because I I did feel like there were a lot of times where it felt like okay, th- these enemies it's better if I'm in the street and these enemies it's better if I'm on the sidewalk. But the like you said Sean, I mean I like some of the parked cars you can figure out how to avoid after practice. But like the car, the oncoming cars. If you're not, if you don't happen to be right by a a driveway, you yeah. you just will get hit. There's nothing you're, you can do done. about it, and there's yeah. there's almost no warning. In fact, there is no warning. I mean, it beeps at you like literally as it's hitting you. So there's no warning <laughs> that, that that's coming. You just will just automatically die. Yeah. And after a certain amount of houses uh, that you have, you know, it doesn't really matter whether they're your subscribers or not. There is like a another kind of crosswalk will come uh horizontally uh and, yeah. you know bikers and cars and stuff like that and that one felt a lot more fair and like thrilling like that's not one that you're going to get hit at too often yeah but you, you have um, you have a moment to to gauge the speed of the car and you can adjust yourself accordingly Right, and that feels better, I think. Like, yeah. being able to actually have some control and think about, like, okay, I'm going to go now. Like, that feels like how an actual biker bikes, you know, in a, in a city or whatever. Like, that just feels like how things are. It's not like if I saw a tornado, I wouldn't just get off the bike, you know? Like, if I... Yeah. <laughs> in certain yeah. situations, I understand that the game, you know, the idea is, like, you you know, you got deadlines and you just got to get these papers in on time so you can't stop or anything like that. But there should have been more control... Uh, over the bike because even if you are in a tight situation uh let's just say in the crosswalk even if you just happen to not be timing things right there's very little you can do in the moment there is no swerving there is no like okay that car is coming and he's coming really fast so i'm gonna swerve to the left it's like no you're just really like moving a little bit to your left there's there's not much you can do from a movement perspective in the moment, you have to yeah. kind of plan these things out ahead of time. I mean, if there yeah, was like, stiff. yeah, if there was like that little uh, slit of uh, of of like a where your hitbox is not 
intersect with the cars like that that could be like a skill based thing that like oh i could i could get out i could get out over this but that doesn't seem to be the case so you're it's just a death sentence if you if you're out there and that makes me think that they needed to make the game uh how do i put this like longer in the sense of grosses just should have been wider. Everything should have been wider. There should have been more openness to this because the fact that they try to do everything like to the scale of you, the paper boy causes some weird, like amount of obstacles and things that you'll run into without a chance to do anything. Whereas if you had more time between each house and between, um, between obstacles, I feel like you could better plan for something. Now that's just maybe an easy mode. Maybe that's not a real suggestion. My my question is, uh, just to, uh, because I'm not really sure what you mean. Are you saying, like, would it it still be isometric? Or are you talking more like just the houses themselves are farther apart? And with the same same view down the road? Same view down the road. Not even that the houses would be further apart, but that they just... Like, I don't know, they would stretch all the graphics so that everything is just, (laughs) so this way everything just happens longer. Like, you know, in the game, everything happens longer. But I'm assuming you don't mean actually stretching the pixels, but just moving the houses further away from the paper boy. Yeah, I'm not actually saying stretch So there's more lawn and there's more driveway to drive on. Exactly. I'm not saying change the aspect ratio or anything like that, but like the time that you spend at each house right in the in the actual game on the nes is probably like five seconds right so i'm thinking maybe even less honestly depending on what speed you're driving but i'm thinking like if you could just get a little more time between obstacles it wouldn't have to be this constant like ah well i should have thought of that ahead of time like now i'm dead like i have no I, i can't do anything in the moment and you feel powerless too too late you know See, I, I think that that could be a solution, but another one that, that I was thinking you meant was actually taking, taking the houses and moving them all just further back to the left so that, so that there is like a longer lawn and there's just more space for the, for you to maneuver. You'd probably also need to make the controls a little easier to turn and everything, but then keeping the same speed, keeping, you know, everything the same, but now you have more places to go to avoid things. I just say it's nice that like the houses actually look they're, they're, they look really good and you you know you can see the whole thing coming up and you can see the side of it on on the way up and it, that's a nice touch but I I wonder if just sacrificing that nice like aesthetic for just seeing like mostly the front of the house and like you know getting rid of a lot of the side of the house that you see on the way because you pushed it back and then like instead using that space for lawn um might have might have positively affected the gameplay. It's hard, it's hard for me to envision it without seeing it, but that's kind of what I'm imagining. I was just going to say that, I, you know, somebody who's listening to this who is good at this game probably thinks that all of these current line of suggestions are awful because <laughs> the game is actually, like, rewarding someone who thinks ahead of time, I suppose, right? Like, you should be planning out where you're going to be at any particular moment three steps ahead of yourself. I'm not saying that I want the game to be any easier. I'm saying that there's a problem with controlling the bike, the bike okay. movement in the game itself is bad, and I'm, you know, if you were, if you had so much control over the bike that you could like swerve 180 degrees or something, like and, and completely avoid obstacles without any um, without any penalty, like that would suck too. So I, I, that's why I'm just arguing. I think more space between things would solve the fact that the bike is so rigid. I think it's also like just a side effect of of that isometric viewpoint, uh, like the fact that uh, it's not. It, I think it all comes together, like the, the rigid controls of the bike, the kind of confusing iso, isometric uh, uh, isometric viewpoint with the weird hitboxes. It it like it's not just one thing. They all are kind of annoying, but together it becomes very frustrating. Um, and I, I don't, but I, I think that like that isometric view is part of like the, everybody, everybody knows Paperboy because of that. Um, I really don't know how you would fix this and, and have it still be Paperboy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was almost before going to suggest like top down, but I agree with you. I think that like, I think that like the, the technical problems that it brings aside, this game is like kind of impressive, like the way it looks and yeah. and, and everything. Like it's very cool. Uh, and I, and I, maybe maybe it wouldn't been worth sacrificing that. I agree. Yeah.
Well, we have to move on to what is surely the most unexpected but coolest part of the entire uh, game where you finish your route for the day and all of a sudden it just says training course and you're on a dirt path and there's uh, there's like three different ways you can go, but they all lead to the same exit at the end of the day. But you kind of go over ramps, you can go over water. You know, did this was this was this better than throwing the newspaper section? I'd say that it just exacerbated all the problems we just mentioned. <laughs> uh, it seems even harder to hit one of these targets than it does a uh, a porch or a mailbox, uh, because I was definitely like the the sprite of the thrown newspaper was definitely intersecting with the sprites of these targets and i wasn't getting half of them um and it's the same with the hitboxes of the uh of the ramps like i would hit the hitbox of the ramp and i would not go up the ramp i would go into a wall um i mean i do think that it adds another layer of authenticity of like you know uh most of these <laughs> suburbs did have training courses at the end of streets <laughs> uh but like there's only so much you can do with authenticity you have to you have to actually execute well yeah i, I mean i will uh, i'll say that i um i definitely agree with the hitbox problem i that was that was especially those ramps those were really frustrating when i was clearly on the ramp and i just just run into the wall anyways yeah um but i think even if it was even if that was fixed uh, I'm glad that this is here, but I, I don't think I don't think it's more fun than than the, the, the other part of the game. Like I think it's a nice break, but I still think that uh, it just feels like a little bit of a bonus to to what what I think is the the draw of the game is the throwing the papers. Yeah. So here's a weird thought. Okay, points mean nothing to me in these kinds of games. So for for me, when I saw like how complicated some of the paths were versus like, you know, the ones that were like, oh, I could definitely like make that ramp and not have to worry about what comes next, you know, uh, because because hitboxes is such a problem and, and just controlling the bike. I took the easiest path I could every single time. And that that was fine for me because this is a game about for me, it's a game about survivability. I just want to play for as long as I possibly can without dying. I don't really care what the high score is. I just want to get everyone on the block to subscribe to my uh to my newspaper. That was my yeah. own personal goal. <laughs> However, you know, that makes me wonder, I don't know if this is just like a player to player thing, but if there was a part an, like a fourth fork in the obstacle course where it was just, hey, this is the dirt road with no ramps, no nothing, like it's just a straight line to the finish. Not going to get any points, but you're also guaranteed to survive, right? Sounds really boring, but I'd be inclined to think that more than just me, uh, you know, other players too would take that path knowing what's at stake. Wow. It's, I mean, I know, I know you're not, but it just sounds like with, with a lot of this, just like, just make it easy. Just, just make it all very easy. Uh, well, that's but- the theme here tonight. Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree because it it doesn't seem that like the hard parts in this game are fair. So I would always take that dirt road as well. But it just seems sort of counterintuitive when you're trying to make a challenging game. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm also like I think we've talked about this before. I'm also in the camp of like I usually don't care about high scores. So the first couple times I came up to this obstacle course, I was just like, okay, I get to see if I can survive this obstacle course and not lose a life. Mm-hmm. Um. But then, really, I I do think that all the paths. If you're just trying to survive the obstacle course, aside from the the, the ramp hitboxes being sometimes finicky, I think the obstacle course isn't that difficult to just survive. So then, just for the sake of of the podcast, I was like, well, let me let me try playing it in a way I usually wouldn't, uh, and that's trying to get a higher score just at that point. I mean, I was, still wasn't even paying attention to score, but I was just trying to hit the targets, um, and it was kind of fun, you know. But um, but yeah. So long story short, I think that maybe if I were playing this. Uh, more often, just in my just casually, I probably wouldn't be focused too much on the scores you're getting in these uh, obstacle courses either. No, for sure, Joe. And I don't think what I it's not that hard. Like the obstacle course definitely has certain patterns that would set you up for failure if you're not good at the game. But there is also like an easy way to success. I'm kind of driving to like a longer thought here of just at what point. Do you just like say, well, you know, if this game just gave itself the option to play itself, I'd be satisfied with that too, right? Like if it just gave me the dirt path with no obstacles, or if it gave me like 
everyone's a subscriber and they don't really care if you hit their windows as long as the paper gets there. Like, at what point do you say, like, all right, do something to the game, like make it make it do something so you can you can remove a lot of things like I'm like I'm offering. But, you know, that that was the that was the problem I had, too, is a lot of times I'd be saying I'd be in favor of these ideas. But then I'm like, well, you're really changing the game, though. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to to complain about this game Paperboy because in concept and execution, it's actually like pretty uh, pretty true to itself. Like the rules that you uh, hear in the manual and that you uh, the objective of the game that sets out, none of those things are like entirely different from the actual playing experience. So when I start to complain about things like controlling the bike or like the hitbox and meaningless deaths, it's like they have to kind of do that stuff. I just don't like that it's there. I, I think that it would be totally fine if, if you just had more agency over avoiding some of these things, just because like, like we were talking about with like, if you find yourself in the street, you're, you're more or less going to die. If, if you get unlucky, it would just, it would just be nice if there was a little bit more leniency, like all, all those, uh, all those like obstacles should still be there. But, uh, Maybe if it's just trimming your hitbox a little bit to make it easier to to avoid, like I think that it wouldn't it wouldn't take away from the soul of the game just to make it a little bit more forgiving. Yeah, I and and I think that you know for any, again for anyone who hasn't played it, like Sean saying that is not even really asking it for it to be for it to be forgiving in some instances, like the red car that's coming at you. Like the way I'm interpreted is that you're asking it to be possible to yeah, avoid. It's not yeah, even exactly. like, oh, we want it to be really easy. We want it to be. <laughs> it's like I, the, the the red car when you're on the street. I think is literally impossible to avoid unless if it just if it surprises you, and it will surprise you because there's just no warning. Yeah, there's a second part to this though with the points guys and that problem of that. You know, other than gaining subscribers and losing subscribers, when you've done this course once, you've done it. You know, they didn't save anything in terms of like new obstacle. You know, it might get a little harder. I'm sure, uh, you know, they might add more obstacles throughout, but like in terms of variety and stuff, you've really seen it all in a single playthrough. So I don't know. It just doesn't really hold up for long or repeated playthroughs, but it's the kind of thing that is very easy to just pick up and enjoy playing it, you know, for a short, for a short burst. Yeah, I think any replayability that people get out of this is just trying to optimize and see how long they can go without losing a house or, you know, I mean, it's it's just like, it's a very quick gameplay loop. Um, and it's all just about, like, perfecting that loop. Does anything happen on Sunday? I never got to Sunday. Uh yeah, I think you play through Sunday actually. I thought you weren't going to, but I'm pretty sure you do. I can't remember. Me... You you just you just starts on Monday. I think again. Sunday's just another day. No, I think Sunday's another day, and that's the end. It definitely it definitely ends oh. after the week. I'm pretty sure it ends on Sunday and not Saturday. Unless I just didn't do good enough, maybe it would keep going if you had like a higher score or something. Hmm. Um, yeah. What I does just... the newspaper say on that Sunday though, Joe? It says it says well. It, so if you finish it and you don't like lose or lose all your subscribers. It says something like, uh, like Paperboy retires in glory or something like <laughs> something that I, I did want to get to. Like, this game is funny. Like, yeah, it's, it's funny. intentionally funny. Like, in a lot, like the newspapers, the little articles, like saying, like, uh, yeah, news, uh, Paperboy retires in glory. And then underneath it says, like, mysterious vandal never caught because you broke all yeah. those windows and like things like that. But even like the, I mean, obviously, there's the obvious stuff where, like, suddenly, like, on day one, there's, like, a dog chasing you, and then on day two, the Grim Reaper is chasing you. Like, that's funny. But also, like, you get to the end of the the obstacle course at all. I know it's part of the game, and it it adds to the gameplay, but I think, I really feel like they add that because, also, because they thought it was funny. Especially because you get to the end, and there's there's two full sets of bleachers with only three people in it just going <laughs> wild for the paper boy and then the paper boy just like does like a bow like it's a and it, yeah. it, it's just really funny Tips to me like cap. oh these three major paper boy fans are just going nuts in these empty bleachers <laughs> felt very intentionally funny to me and joe you know i am glad you brought up the the comic aspect of the game too because that is something that we missed you know forget about like the newspaper 
is something that is very funny. It, you know, it, just, it starts the game, but it also ends the game. That That is something that, like, they've continued throughout the multiple ports of this game to, like, change the copy of what that says. And some some versions get, like, really extreme with the game over uh, <laughs> sequence. Some will just say, like, you're fired. Others will say Paperboy calls it quits. There's, this version, I think. Yeah. Yeah. There's one get well soon, Paperboy. One crash too many, says Doctor. Uh, <laughs> Headline news is front page news is yeah. whatever's going on with the local Paperboy. <laughs> yeah. There's one for the Apple II that is just extra, extra, you are fired. And that's it. <laughs> nothing, nothing else. Everything else that's is like, how they blah, tell blah, you. Blah. They, they, they take out an ad in the newspaper to tell you you're fired. So, you know, there, there, there's that element of it, too. But the art style, too, is cute. You know, um, everything is, as I mentioned, like, kind of to scale. There's no, like, ridiculously oversized object, well, except for the tornado. The tornado is definitely, like, what is that? Is that a tornado? It's are, like a little you... dirt devil. Dirt no, devil. It's even, it's even smaller than that. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, and then there's, like, the, you know, the cat and stuff like that, the sewer grates. Uh, I, think, I think in some versions of this game, I don't recall seeing in the NES one, but in some versions, uh, there was a manhole, and a guy will, like, peek out with eyes. Did oh, that happen the NES right one? Okay. Yeah, I died on that a lot. Yeah, I love that, Because it's in the street. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. What's he doing? What's he doing down there? Yes, there is something uh, also just, like, there's a certain sense of joy from just, you oh, know, being the paper I'm still boy. scared okay, of, this, right. of this neighborhood. That's true, too, though. You could be scared. I can understand how some kids... Would uh, would grow up scared of being a paper boy because of this. So let me just tell you guys about the arcade version of this game. If for no other reason than that instead of having like a joystick or, um, you know, the, the normal buttons that you would have at an arcade machine at the time, in this arcade machine, the joystick are actual bike handlebars. Ah. Like ripped off straight off of a bike. And you hold on to them, and you turn them, and that's how you actually drive. It's like you're steering a bike, and that's how you control movement in the game. How do you accelerate? You push forward on the handlebars, and it actually does move them forward. Interesting. And then, really cool, the buttons aren't off of the handlebars, because that would be complicated, right? If you're holding the handlebars, but then to throw the papers, you have to, like, hit the, um, the tabletop of the arcade itself. That'd be bad. So instead... There are buttons on each side of the handlebars that you use to throw the papers. Okay. Do they throw? Oh, but there's all, it's, it's still just one side of the street. So you're still, yeah, it's still just one side of the street. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I think that that's cool that you uh, accelerate by pushing the bars forward and you pull back with the brakes. So in a way, this handlebar is the entire control of the game. Like you're just really just a motion based arcade game in the early '80s. Yeah, I'd, I'd prefer to play that version. Yeah, I, I watched some videos of it. I actually didn't realize that that's how it was being controlled. Um, it does look like it controls a lot smoother. And it deep buried inside the arcade game, if you look into the code, there is a message from uh, one of the programmers of the game that says, Steal this code and you die. Atari 1985 JFS. So very threatening, uh, very threatening, <laughs> and you know that was a thing though that was happening specifically to um, Atari and Namco. Uh, their arcade games were being essentially like stolen and then put it under new names that were very similar in game. And I think Atari was the first one to actually win like a lawsuit, being like, "Yeah, you can say that that's a different like you can title it differently and you can color it differently. That's our code." And so you can't make that game anymore. And they, like, won the rights to that. 
I don't know. It seems it seems kind of hypocritical of Atari uh, because they, they've done their own shady stuff. I mean, isn't Tengen just a way to get around like Nintendo things? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. So you know, check yourself, Atari. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and if anybody is interested in the like a like a really good deep dive onto Paperboy, I'm not going to cover it here. But the Game Developers Conference, uh, like I think now three or four years ago had the co-creator of Paperboy come on and do, like, an hour-long lecture on how they, like, program the game and design the game and their philosophy behind the way they do things. And I will say, like, I didn't watch all of it, but that's the one that made me think, you know, who am I to be picking on some of these things that I want to change the game of because they were clearly, like, thought of as yeah. as elements of the game that, that they purposefully wanted there. It's not... It's not programming errors or just difficulty induced like they wanted the the obstacles to be threatening to the paperboy makes sense believe it or not there are sequels to paperboy why not paperboy 2 we're we're gonna play that right we're gonna play that sean on the nes itself uh i don't know what you do differently uh maybe you just amp it up like a hundred percent you just say you know what Paperboy was crazy, and it had an obstacle course. So in Paperboy 2, you're going to be in a monster truck rally, but as on a bike. Is that a thing? No, absolutely not. Okay. I don't know what they're going to do. I didn't want to spoil it because (laughs) I imagine imagine they're not going to change throwing papers to houses, right? Like, that's the whole conceit of the game. So I think the only thing they can really do is just make it more ridiculous in terms of obstacles and, and design. Well, I was thinking maybe yeah. there would be like a secondary, uh, a secondary mode where you have to go and collect the bill after, um, like after each week, and then you'd have to do some like business management uh, to talk prices. And you know what? I'm gonna make this. <laughs> yeah, it's like a career mode. Yeah, yeah, or maybe it's an open world, um, open yeah. world yeah. You know, paper game. Boy. Yeah. yeah, where you can you can freely explore the entire continental United States on your bike, <laughs> um, but you have to you have to advertise yourself first as as the paper boy. As a get people to sign up paper for the paper. Ad, right. Yep, uh, <laughs> and that's that. And then we have Paperboy sixty four, uh, which came out, believe it or not, on the Nintendo sixty four, okay. and I didn't even know about this one. I, I can't quite tell if it's a remake of Paperboy, but just in 3D. But thankfully, uh, if everybody remembers a uh, friend of the show and occasional voice of the show, Sam Smith, who also designs the uh, the theme song for Nesta, that you have him to thank. He wrote uh, a little blurb to me here. He couldn't be on the show today, but he said, when I was little, my parents gave me Paperboy 64 for Hanukkah. I was super excited to play a new game, so I gave it a shot. Immediately, I knew something was wrong. The graphics go beyond crappy early 3D graphics and into barely polygonal, smiling stick figure horror. I can't stress how uncomfortable this game is to look at. Like if Psychonauts tried to take itself seriously, the first level is a training level where you learn the clunky 3D controls for throwing papers and doing sweet tricks on your bike like a rad 90s kid. All the levels are on rails culminating in a boss fight where you have to take down, I think, Frankenstein's monster. The only saving grace for the game was that it had a memory pack manager built in, and it was the only way I could edit my save data for all my games. Uh, Sam gives it a 3 out of 10, and if you look up a video of uh, Paperboy64, you'll think he's being generous with the 3. <laughs> wow. That's insane. It, it yeah, I think the best part is the... Uh, this, like if Psychonauts tried to take itself seriously, uh, because I understand what he's saying there. And it, Sean, if the original Paperboy gave you nightmares, imagine you know dreaming of this. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to take a look at it. Uh, I'm having some trouble right now, but yeah, are you? I'm, having, very, I, I'm, I, I'm trying to take a look at it on YouTube too. It's not letting me watch any my, Paperboy right now, videos. As we're recording, YouTube is down. <laughs> That's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. anybody who wants to know why we're like shooting a lot of stuff on the fly, it's because YouTube is down at the time of the recording. <laughs> well, uh, that's good to know. But uh, no, I'm, I, I believe him. It kind of makes uh, sense. I, I, I'm looking at the thumbnails of some of these, and it and it looks kind of like a little. I can see why it might be a little uh, 
what do you call it? Uh, uncanny Valley. This is way beyond yeah. Uncanny Valley. It's, Look at yeah, that. it's yeah, it's actually not even like comprehensible. Yeah, we haven't like gotten the, to like the to the part where the valley dips yet. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, around. not not to not to derail. Um, I get the last game was on rails. Uh, not to derail the conversation, but there is more Paperboy stuff. Uh, not video games, but uh, Paperboy made a cameo appearance in Wreck It Ralph, the 2012 Disney film. And I think that that's weird that you had like Bowser and Zangief and Sonic the Hedgehog and Paperboy. I mean, you know? there's a lot of there's a lot of Easter eggs in that movie that I kind of vaguely remember. So, but maybe up there and like ones we got to include because he also shows up in Pixels, the Adam Sandler film. Oh, okay. Well, I like, mean, I, I don't know. Paperboy is pretty iconic, man. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure if I had a distorted view of it because I just it's one of the few games on the NES I grew up with. But I always thought it was like very popular. I mean, that could have just been because it was one of the few I played and I and I was like 10 years late to to the NES party. But I, mean, I think but that just knows? the fact that they were in both of these movies should should enlighten you to the idea that this this game was pretty popular and iconic. Well, I'll just, you know, I'll give you the ultimate counterpoint and ask where was Paperboy in Ready Player One? The, you know, the quintessential <laughs> reference of material of our time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're right. I, I didn't read that book or watch that movie, so. Well, you're saving yourself a lot of time, and uh, I'm saying that as someone who didn't do it either. I, mean, <laughs> I, 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 I hear about Ready Player One, and I say, no. Uh, I read the book and and it was it was okay. Okay, kind of wasn't crazy. Uh, well, it, it was good. There were some good yeah. parts. There were some good parts. It, the the ending was was pretty good, but I think the, the overall is okay. Best of times and the worst of times. I got you. Is it an essential book? Uh, I, I wouldn't put it on my essential books list uh, for okay. our other podcast. <laughs> Thankfully, we don't do an essential books list, but we do an essential games list, and we're going to do it right now for Paperboy. This is the essential games list. Sean? I mean, I just, I did just get done saying that this game is iconic and, uh, and is, but this game was also so incredibly frustrating, at least on this platform that I can't in good conscience say that this is essential. Like, I guess, played on the arcade, it's not an essential NES game. Well, yeah, similarly, I really, I actually really wish I could give this an essential. I wish it was up there, because I, I really, I actually had a lot of fun playing it, like revisiting it. Um, yeah, th- those flaws definitely keep it off of the essential games list, and the fact that there's already clearly at least one better version, and, and it's not the the old argument of, there will there will be a better sequel or there will be a you know better types of this game. There's actually a better version of this exact game. So so maybe if we played the arcade game, I'd say uh, essential. But um, who knows? But I, I I would definitely give this a play. It. I think that this is. I, I don't think you regret playing it. You might get frustrated at times, but I thought it was actually a lot of fun. Yeah, I'd jump in and say that I think this is a game that. Um... You could probably find online very easily, like play in browser and experience that like everyone owes themselves to do because it, you know, one of our last points before we started moving on to sequels and spinoffs was that, you know, at the end of the day, the game is really just about scoring points and it it's better for like short bursts than for me to play like a whole like seven days uh, inside the game. So this <laughs> is a game I, I, I pick up very often. Uh, on various different consoles. I own this on Sega Genesis, and um, it's on Game Boy, and, you know, it doesn't really matter what version you're playing it on. The, the idea is always still the same, and yeah, some versions are better than others, but it's just a fun, I don't know, even just play for four minutes. Like, it's one of those things. It reminds me of, um, it reminds me of Balloon Fight in that way, and I do think Balloon Fight's a much better game, and it is on the Essential Games list. Uh, but I'm not going to put this one on the Essential Games list, even though it reminds me of Balloon Fight, but it is fun to think of, like, the kind of games that fit the criteria of something that, like, well, if you told me I could play it right now and I didn't have any other obligations, I'd probably be like, yeah, cool, I'll play that right now. <laughs> and I'll always look for those kinds of games, you know? It's very hard sometimes, you know, when you, uh, to, with today, modern games, and you have, uh, you know, the hottest new game comes out, and you're like, oh, man, I can't wait to play, insert hottest new game. 
And then you start thinking about it, and you're like, well, it's a it's a 60-hour game, and I kind of got this thing going on tomorrow, so if I start it today, it's not going to, you know, like, I'm not going to be able to play it again until, you know, Tuesday. And I'm the, just going to play and, another round of Rocket League. <laughs> right, right, yeah, and so you just go back to the short burst games, yeah. and sometimes I think that, like, those short burst games aren't holding back these longer games, they just have a different kind of merit to them. Yeah, totally. Sure. Uh, I, I do want to react to something there, Mike. I, I, I personally, I actually felt like the seven in-game days was like the perfect length of like a playthrough of this game. I, I just felt like that's like that's exactly what I want. It's like seven times you go down the street just before it starts to get stale to me, but I still like each time I'm like, okay, how many subscribers did I gain versus lose, and can I can I end higher than I started? I don't know. I, I didn't think that uh, that seven seven in-game days was too bad. I know that's I not what you said that it was bad, but yeah, I just couldn't. I, I get thought in. that was I, I couldn't get to the seventh day. I was so bad. So yeah, I mean that was the other thing. It, it did take me a long time to be able to get through seven days. Yeah. So I mean, I guess that that definitely greatly extended my playtime. All right, and that's about all the time we have for this episode of Nostalgia. I'm Michael Esposito. You can find me at Esposito Film on Twitter. Nostalgia can always be found on the web at NostalgiaCast on Twitter or just wherever you listen to podcasts. Believe it or not, if you're listening to this episode on a podcast player, you're not locked to that podcast player. If you want to then listen to this same episode on, um, you know, uh, what's another podcast app? I don't want to like, I don't, I guess I don't want to give anybody. Yeah, Tinder. I didn't want to give any real podcast apps like an advertisement. If and if you're on Tinder and you have that like uh you're like not sure what to say first, just a link to the podcast. Yeah, exactly. It's a perfect oh, icebreaker. I like that. It's a yeah. perfect icebreaker. And if you receive the link to this podcast, I'm telling you like give the person who sent it to you a chance. You know, they might they might be it might be a good date. Yeah, not even just on Tinder. Throw it out on Bumble, on Hinge. Oh yeah, all over the place. If you got a link to the podcast and you're now checking out this episode and you got to the point where you're like, oh, well, this is why he sent it to me. (laughs) I think that that's important to consider that you've listened to an entire episode and maybe we're worth your time, but also maybe they're worth your time. Maybe. We're definitely worth your time, though. Just for a minute. uh, No commitment. No commitment.